0: say, you you supposed to submit? And she came back with about 15 other, uh, verses that messed that one up for me. So God's glory to a good woman. Amen. Amen. That's important. <laughs> Anyways, um, for those of you that's been on this journey with us, we've been going through this sermon series, suited and booted. I kind of got to kick this sermon series off, um, with the first three verses of, uh, Ephesians chapter six, uh, that leads us into the armor of God. And let me tell you something. This, for me, has been a mad, crazy journey because um, from Pastor Joshua starting it off and the way him and Pastor Joy switched things off and me doing my background, how many people do backup studies to the sermons that they hear? Raise your hand. All right, start doing that. All right, the Word of God, we get, that's what we're covering today. The Word of God is something you can't just have it on Sundays. All right. In in order for it to work, you have to spend time in it as we're going to learn today. Anyways, um, for me and uh, being able to end this, I was really, really excited about this section of the armor of God. And the reason why I was excited about it is because um, learning to love the word of God is one of those things that I had difficulty with. Right. Because. You know, I came up in like one of those old school churches that only believed in King James. So the first Bible I picked up when I came back to God was a King James Bible. And I still didn't understand a lot of the words that was in it. Now, the Old Testament part of it, I love it because the poetry, it just reads out beautiful in the old, uh, in the old English. Uh, but then the New Testament gets kind of confusing for me. That was for me. But now I have come to learn to love the word of God, not just for his promises, but for all that it is. And I'm making sense here to everybody. If we come to learn to love someone for all that they are, over for what they are to us, over for what we get out of that relationship, over all of those things, then it starts to complete us and who we are and become a part of us. And that's kind of how the word works for me anyway. I'm hoping that it works that way for other people If you do not pick up your Bible other than on Sundays, change that. B-I-B-L-E. I I do believe one of the uh, acrostics for that was basic instructions before leaving earth or something like that was a song. And I was going to play that to start, but that video was a whole lot funnier. And we need a break in here. I don't know what's going on, but God's in control. Amen. Um, Can we pray? God, you are amazing in who you are. We just open up your word right now and pray, Lord God, for your spirit to be in control of all things. As, Lord God, we have prepared, Lord God, and we have made ourselves ready for what it is that you have in store for us today. I just pray that it comes in power in the name of Jesus, that, Lord God, we would not only open up our hearts, but we would open up our minds, Lord God, to absorb, Lord God, the lessons being learned today, taught by the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody can say it for me. All right, so, you know, I'm not one of those people that does a whole lot of research on the Greek and the English and all that other stuff. My wife got that Bible where you can translate it three different ways. I'm just now learning how to uh, use that lexicon. Anybody knows what that lexicon is? Where you can find one word, and it breaks it down, and it shows you in the Hebrew writing, it shows you in the Greek writing, and then it shows you how it's used in the Bible and how many different ways. And these kind of things are starting to be fun for me, so I'm turning into a bigger Bible nerd than I, what I really, uh, wanted to be, but it, it's starting to be exciting to me. And not only that, but I just finished, an uh, introduction to hermeneutics class that was, I felt like was over my head, but I did get a B. Hey, hey. So, <laughs> hey, I wanted to report that because I so expected a D or something. Anyways, um, let's get this sermon started. The Greek word anyway for the sword is makura. This is why I don't look this up. I hope that I said that right. Um, it's a sword that exacted fear in the minds of those who heard it. It was no ordinary sword, but a weapon of murder that caused the victim horrid pain as he lay bleeding to death. This sword was used in close combat situations, not intended to wound, but to kill. I want to talk to you about something today. Um, a lot of us, when we go into battle, we just go in to get, to get it over with, right? Um, that's not how the enemy comes in. How does the enemy come in? To kill, steal, and destroy. Right? So why would we not have those those same intentions toward him? Am I making sense? So I'm thinking about Paul. He's sitting there and he's looking at it. Can, some, can you show me that sword up there? This is what the uh Roman soldier had in his, in his belt. And um, this thing was so stinking sharp. If he went to run his finger across it to test it, test it, he would more than likely lose it. So this thing was not made to feel good. It was, it was not made to get somebody off of you. How many people been in a situation where you just want to get somebody off of you? All right. And instead of it being something to get something off of you, this was meant to do as much bu- damage to your body as what's humanly possible. Now, I don't know, I should have put a picture up here. When uh, you dressed for battle, you had everything covered, you know, uh, your, 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 that would protect your internal organs. So that you would be able to continue the fight. Well, here's what happens: the devil gets into your mind, and he starts messing with your mind, and then it seeps down into your heart, and then you're a, he's able then to manipulate you and to believe in things that are nowhere close to true. I mean, I could even hear right now some people thinking, "Ah, so and so was talking about me today, and it's really getting on my nerves. I'm really gonna have to do..." No, that's not the way that God works. And so, this weapon, the sword, the Bible, is not meant to get something off of you it's meant to destroy it so if you come in to God and you say Lord I got this problem with anger you can go into his word and there are so many scriptures that deal with anger that if you're not really paying attention to what it that's saying to you or you don't understand how to incorporate that word into your life you're really not doing any damage so you're working with a, with a dull blade Anybody ever try to cut chicken with a dull blade and you run across one of those bones? I guess my wife, you're the only one, baby, that taught me how to cut up a whole chicken, right? When you got you got to break some of those bones or you got to find where that joint is, where you could get through it. And if you got a dull blade, even that ain't going to work for you. All you got is a bunch of torn skin and, and a messed up chicken. But if you got a sharp blade, that would just, even if you miss, it goes right through the bone, you know, it's all good, so even if you practice getting into the word, there are things that will come to your mind when situations come, arise in you, even though you miss the heart, you're still going to damage the kidney or the liver, right, and the enemy is going to bleed out anyway, but if we just go at this playing games and, uh, oh Lord, I know your word says this and so and so says that, then, um, We need to get real serious about how serious we take the word of God. Amen? So let's just read uh, Ephesians 6 again so that um, we're all on the same page here. Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 15, reads like this. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want you to understand something about the sword. The sword is both an offensive and a defensive weapon, right? How many people stick their little, little toy sword out there and then somebody come back with a real sword and just... I just gave you that example with me and my wife, right? I go out there, or we've seen it in the video, where you go out there and you think you're saying something, you think you're doing something, you think you know something about God, and then you don't look at the whole Scripture in context. That's something I learned about in class. I have to be very, very careful about the way that I look at script at Scripture and the way that it was intended and the way that it was to be used from the start. So in this instance where Paul was uh standing there in chains looking at the guard who was guarding him he knew that if he tried to escape this roman soldier had everything he needed to take him out no problem so god has equipped us with everything we need to get the enemy out of our system with no problem you know it's like i had mentioned earlier about Us having this perception of there being a battle between God and the devil. There's never been a battle between God and the devil. God is clearly superior. I mean, he don't even get to throw a punch. He's just gone because God says so. If God did not allow the enemy to be here and to rule in his ways, then he would not be here. No matter what it is that we want, how many of us got kids in here? Raise your hand. I want that chocolate chip cookie. You ain't ate dinner yet. I want that chocolate chip cookie. You ain't ate dinner yet. I want that. Shut up. And then it's over with. Right? Same way with God. The devil is saying, I'm messing with your people. I'm messing with your people. I'm messing with your people. And then once we get that word of God in us, we can tell him, shut up. Here's what the word of God says about that. Shut up. I'm in control. Anyways, when we look at the word of God and we look at it on offense, nope, I started with defense. You know why? Because defense win championships. <laughs> offense makes a good game. Defense win championships. Heard that somewhere. I thought it was good for today, right? Because a lot of us, we're always in a defensive po- posture anyway. We're always waiting for the enemy to attack, aren't we? Right? We're not not—we're not, uh, like aggressively going after the enemy. Some of us aren't at that point yet. I'm aggressively going after the enemy because this is where God got me at right now. Some of us are in that defensive posture, but we are, we don't have a good defense. You're leaving your ribs open, right? Now, I used to be a boxer. When you leave your ribs open, I used to love running across some people that come at me like this. <laughs> oh, it's over with. He ain't got no more wind. So he's knocking the wind out of us. He's stealing our hope from us because we're, we're not defended. We don't have that breastplate of righteousness in place to protect all of this because we didn't understand it when we heard Pastor Joshua preaching about it and we too, right? But here's how, here's some scripture that I found that would help us effectively be able To defend ourselves against the enemy. And first, in Second Timothy chapter three, verses 15 and 17. And how from your infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes, I know that started mid-sentence. Blame my hermeneutics class for that. I don't want us to lose the focus here. The word here says that the word of God for Timothy started from infancy. In other words, the word of God was put in him. Anybody read to their kid when they were in their belly? I used to speak to my kids like, Every day, I used to get on Renee's nerves. Uh, when she got bigger, I'd be like, "Hello down there, this is your daddy's voice." One of my kids to know who I was, right? I- I'm the only one, right? But here, that's how I was, and I-, I noticed Renee took so much better care of herself. Like, watch what she ate. She, you know, would, you know, tell me, "Quit stressing me out," and things like that. And so. I've learned um, through our relationship that as you progress from when you are young and really don't know, um, when you're setting that foundation, it has to be firm, if I'm making any sense. So, Paul is telling Timothy right here, dude, from when you were very young, you were given the word of God, and this gives you the wisdom to be able to walk And the authority that God has given you, not only that, but you can walk in the confidence that all scripture is God breathed. And this is what it is for. Now, a lot of preachers will spend about 15, 20 minutes explaining to you, this is why people get on you. No, that's not what he means when he says that. A lot of preachers will probably spend even more time telling you that when I have to correct you, you know, this is what the word of God says. That's not using this in context. What this is saying is when you understand truly what the scripture is, it is for first teaching. Put that in your notes. The first thing the word of God is for is teaching. To bring you to an understanding of who God is. If it wasn't for an understanding of who God is, everything that comes behind that means nothing. So number one, out of this uh, one, these few verses of scripture, we understand that we need to be taught God's word. Now, rebuking which is criticizing as another word could be used for it, or correcting could be another word used for it. That's the nicer word that's being used for it. But let me tell you something. Ain't nobody going to be around, uh, want to be around nobody too long for putting them down all the time. What he is saying here is to bring you to a greater understanding. If you are learning the word of God, if you are teaching the word of God properly, you will understand that he will never, ever, ever put you down. He will never, ever, ever tear you down. 32 years of marriage, my wife has never, ever, ever made me feel less than. She's never, ever, ever tore me down. I can't find a person that I've ever known in this relationship that could tell me, yeah, you should hear what your wife say when you, when you ain't here. So I know that I know that I know that I know that my wife got my back no matter what. Her actions has told me that. And so then, when we go to correcting, all right, how many people in here know everything? Yep, don't put no hands up. I don't want to know. We don't know everything. So I'm not going to try to tell you how to live your life. Don't come to me to fix your stuff. I messed up enough. But we have that problem as Christians, some of us do. We look at somebody's life and say, oh, I went through that and this is what worked for me. Let's go way back, Old Testament and God's word, when Saul tried to give David his armor. Saul said, dude, you can to go into battle with a a guy that fought 10,000 battles. You need this, and you need this, and you need this, and you need this, and you need this. David said, shoot, I can't fight in this. Here, stripped out all that stuff, took his little rock and his little sling and went out there and conquered the giant. So we all have different ways. You know, I will pray with you in a heartbeat. Don't ask me to fix your stuff. Nine out of ten times, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Because I learned everything hard. Well, most things hard. Right? And then he goes on to say, training in righteousness. Can everybody say that for me? Righteousness. All right? All right? It is so pleasing being around righteous people. Not self-righteous people. Righteous people. Righteous people always put you first. I come up in ministry all the way through my ministry. I've been taught to take the back seat, to get out the way and let God. Unfortunately, I don't always hear that. Right? But that's kind of where it's at so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. How are we going to do good work if we don't understand the good God? It's like I say, I don't understand how you can experience God and just sit there. I don't understand how you could be in his presence, in his house, and know that his spirit is moving and just, I'm not in the mood for that today. I I don't understand that. I, I, just, It's just one of those things that I can't grasp the concept of. It's like, you know, a rich man not understanding what it's like to feel broke. But if it was a rich man that built himself up, he knows what it's like to be broke. And so when he sees somebody else coming up along in the trades and he's he's watching him go through those paces and through those phases, what does he do? He rejoices with him. And I kind of would like to see our body be that kind of body. You know, I'm looking at Sister Mary over here who came in here and boy was she tired and boy was she lonely and boy did she feel like there was nobody in her corner. And then she got to meeting some people. They started building her up. They started bringing her along. She started rejoicing. She comes in. She speaks to everybody. She gives her Everybody hugs. She's starting to feel the, the joy of Jesus in her heart and starting to share it with everybody else, which makes it kind of contagious for a brother Al over here to feel that same love and to rejoice. And then for, uh, sister, uh, Juanita over here, feeling that same joy and rejoicing. And then when we come together in worship, where it is true worship, not of one another, but of celebrating the goodness and the glory of God through the experiences that we've had through one another because of the understanding of who God is. Are y'all getting this? One of Pastor Joshua's favorites, Psalms 119. 9 through 11. How can a young man stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek with all my heart. Do not stray from me. I mean, Let me not. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Ding! I don't even have to preach that one, do I? Preaches itself. Here's God that I seek with all my heart. Anybody ever feel disappointed or one of the issues that you have to work through is because you don't feel like you have um, lived out the expectations of people that you love? Right? Your mom, your dad disappointed in how you turned out, or uh, your cousin or your brother or your sister disappointed in how you turned out. But here's the deal. The word of God is like, this amazing force that takes over in all wisdom, right? Now, when David wrote this psalm, I can only imagine what it was he was going through knowing that, A, he killed a man, right, and took his wife from him, right? His son had died and tried to take over his kingdom. Another son killed another son for raping his sister. Uh, what has David been through so that his uh, his hope— and his desire was to live according to his word, to seek him with all his heart, and then to hide it in there so that he would not sin against him. How crazy is that? Now, we defend against the enemy's lies by understanding that God thinks most and best for each of us. Am I making sense in here to anybody but me? When uh, my defense against the enemy, when, when or Jesus' defense against the enemy and the devil was what? For it is written right? That man should not live by bread alone. Amen. All right. Some bread is good, but if you ain't got no meat with that bread, you're still going to be a little bit hungry, right? The only thing that I don't like about fast is nine out of 10 times we go meatless and all of that other good stuff. And my family is a meat eating family. So we miss it, right? But to fast without purpose is just going hungry. So to read God's word without purpose is just reading. To try to get to know God through our understanding is just empty learning. Right? You ever met somebody that can explain something to you so well that you're confused? Something that you thought you knew? Talk to Pastor Albert. He knows how to do that. Right? Have you ever been in a situation that you thought you would be able to handle and it was too much for you to handle? Many of us in here have experienced that. I don't know what I'm doing wrong today, but y'all looking at me like, what's this dude talking about? I am talking about the word of God, the living word of God. Maybe when we get into the offense. Now, here's the cool thing about offense. Offense is what you cheer for, right? You cheer for that guy that's running down in the end zone and he's got the defender on him and that ball comes up and it's over his head and you're like, he's gonna miss it, but he snags it down with that big old man of his and you be like, wow! What a catch! That's what you get excited about is that offense. What offense does is gives you confidence. Right? With every victory gained comes more confidence for the next battle. Right? You ever seen a real fight? Not one of those five minute throw two blows and somebody falls down fight. A real knockdown drag them out for real? Those are the kind I used to get in. I loved it when somebody took me for a good ride. Right? But when you're in a real knockdown drag out at the end, you know who won because they walk around. Who else? Who's ready? Right? I got this. You're on offense now. Oh, yeah, I remember you made me mad when I was in the second grade. Got you. Right? Who else? I got him, didn't I? Yeah, I knocked his butt out. I'm going to knock you out if you don't get out of my face. You are on offense now. You're on full, let's go get them mold, right? And you know what? How many people ever had to deal with bullies in here? Right? What happened when you seen somebody stand up to them? Nine out of ten times, they go, "Uh uh-oh. They might show somebody something that I don't want them to see. I was that bully. And probably would have been bad news for you if you did try to stand up for me because I didn't care. But here's you. David, with that little sling, saying, I don't got to fight you with my hands. I don't got to physically assault you. You cannot win a spiritual battle trying to fight in the physical realm. You put that on your notes. Do not go in to a spiritual battle trying to win on a physical level. Many of us fail to look for that deeper level Of understanding what it is that God is speaking through his word and some of it is physical but then there's also those spiritual things that there's only one way for us to understand them and that is through the authority and the power of the spirit notice that he said spirit which is the word of God Without having his Holy Spirit, you're just reading a book. You'll be able to understand some things in it. You'll be able to pick up on some of the the concepts in it. But you will not be able to understand the principles behind it. You will not be able to correctly apply them to your life because you would not have that authority to do that until he's invited in to allow you to do that. So when we go on offense, the first thing that we're going to have to do is understand how this word works physically. And one of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews four 12 reads like this for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of what the heart. Ooh, I so want to get excited and preach this, but I'm going to keep myself calm and help you understand something. Um, When you look into the eyes of someone, you are looking into their soul, you know, right away, whether they're acting in fear, whether they're acting in confusion or whether they're ready to engage in battle. And the enemy, he looks through all the other stuff everybody else sees. And he looks into your eyes and he looks down to your soul. Then he starts interrupting things in your heart. Then he starts messing with your confidence. But then the word, didn't say Jesus was active, did it? Didn't say the sacrifice he made on his cross is active, did it? Nope. The word of God is alive and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword and it's not just gonna be there no it's gonna do major damage to whatever it is that's in the path of what it is that's gonna get you where god wants you to be but we have to understand how to handle this very sharp weapon we can't just throw things out there. We can't just willy-nilly think that we can spend a few minutes a week or a few moments a month or open our Bible once every what did, what did that video say? Three months and be able to use this weapon effectively. If you want to look at what we're talking about today on today's level, we will be talking about what kind of weapon that would be able to inflict the most damage on somebody Right? So we looking at a high power weapon, maybe a nine. I like the 45 myself because I can shoot straighter with that, right? I think in the last couple of weeks we had shootings where people didn't—they started shooting and they didn't even hit their target. They hitting people that don't even matter. And how many of us go at the Word of God and we get to swinging that sword around like we know what we're doing and we're doing damage to more people around us than we are to the enemy. Well, amen, pastor. Yeah, you got that one right on because I had to experience that. And here's what's crazy it is. It, what's crazy is it cuts deep. When you see empty chairs in the church, think about your attitude. Think about how you treated that person that you did not recognize. Right? Yes, there is protocol when you come in to the house of God. You should have a smile on your face. Not everybody does, but you kind of should. I'm excited. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Right? I'm feeling good. I know God is going to do something today. I'm excited about what God is going to do today. You probably should, when you see somebody down, have a warm smile and your hand extended to give them a warm welcome and hey, who knows what they're going to pour out and be prepared to pray with them, right? And so when we look at this scripture, we have to understand that not only does God look at his word as being that offensive awesome weapon that can rip apart anything that's standing in, it, in its path, but it could be very precise in doing so. When we go into Revelations 2.12, it reads like this. The angel of the church in Pergamum, right? these are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. This is in Revelations. This is that stuff I could spend two hours preaching on because I am so into that. But here's the deal. The words cut deep. If you are in tune with who God is and you hear his word and there's something that needs to be done about it, it goes deep. It's not none of that superficial, I love you. Nah, that's a I love you, you know, past PG-13 kiss. You get real passionate about that. Or a better way to look at it, for those of us that ain't married or anything like that, a better way to look at that is it ignites a passion in you that brings out something that gives you strength, courage, and power that you never even knew that you had. You know, you'd be like looking around at people saying, well, what happened? I can't believe how bad you stumped that. I can't believe how you came out on top on this. We expected you to be the one to go down in this, but not only did you come out on top, you came up on top so victorious. I want to know what it is that you got. Right? Revelations 2.16, Read like this. Repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Nope, he's not on the horse. Swinging that sword, knocking down the enemy, nope. He's coming with the word of the living God instructing us on whatever it is that we need to do to win this battle. A lot of us, we want to get up on our high horse, and we want to get to swinging that sword, and we put so much different distance between us and others that we don't even understand what we're saying. And how effective is it when you are putting distance between yourself and who it is that you're trying to protect? Right? The word here in Revelation and uh, this whole situation right here, he says there has to come about being changed. If that change does not happen, then I'm going to come through and the word is going to change you. Right? How many people say, I'm a Christian in here. Say, I'm a Christian. All right. when you are a Christian, the knee will bow. You can voluntarily do it or you can be forced to do it. Now, me, I'm getting better at volunteering. I ain't there yet. A lot of times it's, yeah. come on, God, these needs are so old. Did you hear it pop just right now? It's going to be hard for me to get back up. Right? Come on, God, for real? Are you serious right now? Do I really have to do this? But you don't understand. I'm just not equipped to do this. I just don't have the time. Oh, God, I don't have the time. But then when the word comes through and say, you don't have the time, a football game takes uh, generally about three and a half hours to play on the TV. If it's a Buckeye game, don't call me for three and a half hours. I don't even think Renee messes with me during a Buckeye game. She'd be like, doggone it, they're on Get this done before the game comes on because I know how you're going to be, right, for three and a half hours. But, oh, God, I really can't make this hospital visit because, you know, I don't work today, and I'm tired, and I still got this left to do. But, man, come Saturday, Saturday afternoon, most of the games are at noon, noon to three, don't call me. I'm getting better, but I ain't there yet, especially if it's a good game. Like when I watched them go down to Oklahoma, that was a good game for them but i had to be the big man about it and deal with it right but here we are today and we give every excuse that we want to give well pastor earl you know i really wanted to be up here to help out but here's what happened i had to work that happens life happens but here's what really happened um you know me and my wife we ain't had a date night in three months so what's one more day if you've already made a commitment to me, how are you, you know, why didn't you see this three months ago when you kept putting it off? But I'm counting on you to be here to do whatever it is that you said that you were going to do. Now, if you don't do it, that means I'm going to do it, and I'm going to have to miss watching the Buckeye game, which is not going to be, be, put me in a good mood on a Sunday, and I got to be in a good mood on a Sunday because, you know, I'm one of the people that's up front. But then the word comes along that's been planted in your heart. And it says, you know something? I made this commitment. And as difficult as it is for me, and I'll tell y'all something, um, for the last, well, how long we had that kitchen open, babe? Eight years? For um, most of that eight years, three nights a week, I've had to be down in that kitchen, ready to give the word in season and out. And we've tried several different people. Everybody's even telling me now, you know, you really need to make more time for yourself because, you know, we know you'd be down here three days a week, whatever, 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 whatever. But realize something, those three days a week, I am in the word of God. I am fasting and I am praying. I am expecting God to do something major. I want somebody with that exact same passion. When I get somebody to speak down in the kitchen, believe you me, they've been prayed over. I am watching their lifestyle. I am watching the way that they are because how is who is the enemy going to attack? Those ones that are coming with the word and power. And when you come with the word down there, how many people did Pastor Albert? Am I lying? You've got to come with the word in power. And this is what he's talking about doing here. He's not coming at you with the word and, oh, I'm so sorry about the little things that you are going through. Listen, I want you to understand something. The love of Christ will get you through every little thing. No, 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 no. Here's what you need to do. You think that. Christian people could be horrible in the way that they make you feel about what it is that you're doing. Wait till you hear God show you what it is that you're doing. If you open yourself up to his word, you will be able to identify with those words and what you need to do to bring about the changes in your life that need to happen that will allow that change to allow others to be drawn into the kingdom because that's what your purpose is in the first place. It's not for you to look good. I got my wife to make me look good. I don't come to church to look good. I come to church out of the gratitude that I have to my Lord and Savior, the love that I have for him, the way that he has built me up and the way that he continues to carry me, the understanding of the blessings that he's given me. And I'm beginning to learn why. You can't understand the why if you don't know what question and when to ask that why. Sometimes you just got to do. And that's what's been happening to me over the last eight years. There's been times, shoot, I go to work for eight hours, have to deal with crazy people, come home, and I done did something crazy at home, and Renee don't ever dog me up, but she got some looks, y'all. She do. She got them. Anybody else in here ever experienced a pastor Renee look? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, y'all just on the outside, right? I'm the husband. And when I get that look, I'll be like, oh, what did I do? Now's not the time, baby. Oh, now I'm really messed up. You know, I got to go preach in five minutes, and I got to go upstairs. Well, I can't tell y'all that part. (laughs) And I got so much left to do. Nope. But if we... Don't repent. Does everybody in here understand what repentance is? Raise your hand if you understand what repentance is. All right? Now, the easy way, as Christians say it is, is to turn from your sin, to turn around. Nah. it's deeper than that. To repent is to let go and to let God. You ever told somebody you forgive them? and you really, really believe it until they do the same thing again. <laughs> I'm the only one that's ever happened to? Can you imagine how God feels and you say, God, this is yours. Wait a minute. Okay, God, I'm serious this time. Wait a minute. Right? I love teasing my grandkids. I'll take something and I'll go, psh, 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 psh. Now they're getting faster than me, so I got to move faster, right? I'll be like, psh, psh. Now I got to change my pattern a little bit because, you know, it's something I kind of see us doing that with God with our sin. Instead of giving it over to God, instead of killing that thing, we just take it and say, here you go, God. Nope. here you go. Oh, it's over here. No, here it is. No, if we don't repent, then we are asking God to to cleanse us, to clean us up. Right? God, you are my God. God, you are my master. God, you are the one that's in control. God, I am coming to a greater understanding of who you are. And in understanding who you are, I know that comes with that comes some kind of correction, comes some kind of rebuke, comes some kind of pattern that is going to send me into a cycle that's going to make me the person that you want to be. And it ain't always going to be pleasant. It might be through somebody, it might be through his own action and something that you might have to endure that would strengthen you and grow you, but all things works for the good of those who love him. Amen? And I'll tell you, when I read that, I'm like, oh, we in trouble. Because most of us, when that point of growing in our relationship with God comes along, Exits stage right. And it's a shame. Because you come through those things more empowered, more strengthened, more confident, more capable of growing and doing more. You don't start out cleaning toilets and work your way to associate pastor. By not being willing to remain teachable and growing in the issues that come up. You don't make it 32 years in marriage, 44, 44, 44 years in marriage. I think Pastor Joshua and Joy got 19, 18, 19, 21, 22, 25. Yeah, 25. Oh, Albert getting there. That's right. 25, right? You don't get to those years in marriage without without being willing to grow and to change some things about yourself. Right? There's some things that y'all allow us to hold on to. Thank you, baby. Thanks, Lady D, (laughs) because leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds, right? Thank you, my sister, for your example. Right? So, we don't get there by not being willing to open our ears and to open our hearts and to open our minds and to grow in everything it is that it takes for a marriage to work, right? You can't get mad at your husband and kick him out. He's your husband. You can do that with your boyfriend because he's only your boyfriend. That's only temporary. Is he a permanent God in your life or what? Is God permanent in your life? Are you willing to accept what is necessary to be changed in you for you to grow? Can you deal with the criticism that he might give you on some things that you do? I'm going to tell y'all something. I am a much, much, much better man today than I ever could have been without this woman in my life. Because it's the only voice that I can hear. And it could not have been any other woman that was able to do it because I know me. But you know something? There's a voice that is stronger and louder and more concise and more clear than hers could ever be. And that is the voice of my Lord and King, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Audibly, there's a lot of times I wish I could hear that voice. But it's through his word that I hear his voice more than it is that audible as a matter of fact, there's only one time I can remember ever hearing God's voice in the 20 whatever years it is that I've been on this journey There's only been one time that I could say that I audibly heard his voice. Every other word that has been spoken to me has been spoken through his word. And that came through consistent study, a desire for a deeper understanding who he is. Time set aside for personal time with God. The cool thing is when people understand that's who you are, they get out of your way. That's the cool thing. And if they don't get out of your way, they end up out of your life anyway because their feelings are And So what? It still comes down to you being right with God. Amen? But then there's a second offensive weapon that God gave us. That I didn't cover in the first part of this sermon, right? And that is prayer for the saints. If you read Ephesians 6, 18 through 21, it reads like this And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the, all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Titius, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you, may also, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. This is a letter that Paul wrote, and uh, it amazes me that this, these are words of encouragement. Believe it or not. Now, the uh, book of Ephesians is considered one of the prison of, uh, epistles. A prison epistle was the letters that he wrote while he was in prison, blah, 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 blah. But here's what kills me is how positive he's always been in his messages. Even in teaching them uh, hard lessons, he was always encouraging in that. And he always used himself as an example in his relationship with God. And the, the power of prayer is If you think the sword is something, get your prayer life right. You know, I love hearing my wife pray. Sometimes I just sneak up on her and just hide around the corner because, you know, my wife, she she don't just... Pray, you know, oh, Lord, I love you and you're just so awesome and you're so great. Mm-mm. She got one of them Holy Ghost fire, bring them down the house prayers. Lord, and the blood of Jesus is playing over my kids. I remember one time we was taking the kids to school. The blood of Jesus is on you. The blood of Jesus is on you. The blood of Jesus. Is what are you doing, woman? These kids are going to be like marked for life. I hope so. Right? She don't just say the blood of Jesus. No, the blood of Jesus is on you. I ain't nothing like, you know, fellas, we need to step up our game when it comes to prayer. All right, because when my wife goes into that prayer closet, when she gets to calling down fire, you know, I know I am different now. This woman was throwing down to God. God, that crazy man that you have given me, I want you right now to touch his heart, but touch mine first. See, now that's what, that's what kills me about my wife. No matter how hard I hear her praying for herself, she prays for others harder. That don't make sense to nobody either and nobody else either does it. Right? That still, it blow it blew my mind at the time until I started practicing it. I stole it. Yes, I did. Right, I said, Lord, you know I need a lot of stuff done to me. Lord, you know there's some things that you need to work on in me. But you know something, I have brothers and sisters that need to have and feel your presence. I have brothers and sisters that need to allow your spirit to grow in them, that they would be able to move in the same authority. Better yet greater authority and power that you have released to me. Lord, your people have been the most important thing in my life today, and I thank you for them. Lord, you have some amazing people that need to be covered in prayer right now. Lord, we have pastors, Lord God, that are being locked up around the world. Lord, we have people of God who are going to nations, who are lifting you up, who are glorifying your name, who are losing children to, to terrorists and things like that. Lord, you are an amazing God and you are worthy of all praise, first and foremost. See, there's a difference in the way that we go after prayer. Now, Paul says specifically that we should pray specifically for the Lord's people. Specifically for that. Now, I just feel like this. I truly, truly do lift up Pastor Joshua and Joy with all my heart. They're on the front line. I mean, y'all think y'all being under attack? Can you imagine what your leader is going up under? That's 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 like one of the top on my list. Lord, you cover those people that you put in the spiritual authority over me. Lord, help me recognize who they are. And I want you to cover them. I want you to protect them. I want you to be able, Lord God, to let their integrity be preserved Lord God that they would be able to walk in the authority that you have given them. You know, these are prayers that go out. You know, one time Renee asked me, "Why you get up so early?" It's two reasons why I get up so early. Number 1 is because if I try to stay up late and get into the word and pray, I'm going to go to sleep on it. But if I get up early, and I know that there's somewhere I got to be or something that I got to do. I can commit to that. And, you know, sometimes I got to go, you know, uh, short and strong rather than long. So that's cool. But I, it's done right off the top. And I'm able to give God my best. People, we need to give God our best in prayer, not for ourselves or what it is that we want, but for God's people. Because if it weren't for that person that was praying, that seat that you are sitting in, would have someone else in it because someone else would be praying for them. I want you even right now to consider who it is that you need to pray for that need to be in that seat that's next to you. Right now, I want you to consider who you need to pray for that you know need that prayer, need that prayer covering in the body. My mama Nita over here has been suffering physically for quite some time right now. And I remember when the elevator wasn't working and I felt so guilty about it. Pastor Joy felt so guilty. Shoot, we made a fundraiser to be able to pay for it because because she puts out the effort to do it. I look at Mama Nita during worship and she is one of my inspirations because with only I think 5% capacity of her heart she stands the whole time during worship because she loves God that much. So I pray for that woman because she is one of the, mother of the mothers of the church. We should take prayer very seriously. How many people know Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, every day at noon, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we have pastoral people that's up here that is praying over this building and over this place, right? So the cool thing about this whole thing is that even though he was a slave to man, he was free through prayer. He was free through knowing that other people were growing in Christ through him. He didn't say pray that I be set free. He didn't say pray that I would be comfortable. He didn't say pray that my needs would be met. He said pray especially for the saints of God that they would be able to continue the good works that God has inspired them to do. But some of us, instead of seeing the joy in that, get to hating. We should not do this, brothers and sisters. We should always lift one another up in prayer. So we're starting this 21-day fast today. Yep, it goes right through banquet again. And I'm excited this time. I'm usually not excited about fasting, but I'm excited this time because I've seen growth in people within this body that is going to bring about change. Now, if you don't fast with a purpose, then you're just going hungry, right? So the things that we're going to cover during our fast this time is, A, we're going to pray for our leadership, B, we're going to pray for our finances and the banquet that's upcoming. As always, we're going to pray for the loss. We're going to pray for the harvest that God is ready to bring in. We're going to pray for new leadership that would step forward and move in the authority that God has given them. There's many different ways that you could fast as pastor Albert mentioned earlier, you could fast media. That means no Facebook, peoples, And you don't have to make that big announcement. All right, I'm not going to be on Facebook because my church is fasting. Nope, this is something between you and God. Don't see how many likes you can get because you're going to check afterwards. If you post it, oh, man, I'm going to miss them. No, you're not. Right? You could could fast, you know, uh, not eat meat. Um, The Daniel fast for me would be the hardest because you can't use seasoning if you do it right and, you know, at least I could salt and pepper a bunch of vegetables up. I can't, yeah, it's, it's hard for me. But, I'm, and don't set yourself up to fail. If you're not used to um, fasting or something like that, try to do something simple enough for you to be able to feel it and not feel like, oh, I failed. Like, I ain't going to lie to y'all. I ain't going to say, I'm fasting coffee, y'all. That ain't going to happen. I'm setting myself up to fail. I'm, I'm, I'm fasting media, y'all. That ain't going to work. It's football, it's football season. But if I say I want to do a bread and water fast, and even with my health issues going through it, I know God will give me the strength to do that. And then if you decide to skip a meal, which is my favorite kind of fast, if you skip a meal, as long as you commit that time that you will be eating that meal, let's say if you want to skip dinner, if you take that 6 to 7 o'clock hour and you spend it with God in prayer, Boy, you should see how much you could grow from that. I remember the first time that I tried that, that's been the most amazing fast for me personally, is to be able to give God time out of the day during the time that I had committed to feeding my stomach. I committed it to feeding my soul. And that's what worked out best for me. And don't say breakfast if you're one of them people that skip breakfast all the time, right? Uh, don't say dinner because, you know, you're not having chicken tonight, you're having liver. Okay, um, but pick whichever meal it's going to be and that you could give that time to God. That would be like an awesome thing to do. Um, there's, uh, several other different kind of fasts where you could just let go of all sweets. Woo. No chocolate. Yeah. That'd be bad for some of us. I don't care. You know, that, that's not a hard pass for me. I could kick chocolate to the curb. Coffee would be a problem. Yeah. So Yeah. Just go to the McDonald's. You'll fast for about a month anyway. They, they be, you'd be waiting so long. So I really want you to consider how you're going to do this fast. It starts today. People, as a body and as campus pastor here, I'm going to ask you to please, please, please commit to in some way to this fast. If your fast is adding to the time that you pray, I think that's a good fast as well. You know, it's not listed or anything like that. It's just something that just came to me that God gave me right now. But consider that. Um, the way that I would really like to um, end this is if we could go to the last slide, is for you to keep this in your heart and in your mind um, all week long or all through this prayer. Paul not only told us to pray in the Spirit, he told us to pray. For the Lord's people! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. So you pray in power and in love throughout this time. I believe we will see change and increase within this body that would allow us to move in the authority that God has meant for it from its very inception. Today is your day to make a serious choice for who you want to be in Christ. If you want to be that person that's always there, Lord, I need, Lord, I need, Lord, I need. Or if you want to be that person that says, Oh, Lord, I am just so grateful for who you have made me to be, then you get to make your choice in doing that. If you want to be one of those kind of people that just...